Before I begin my message uh, this morning, I want to highlight a certain aspect of our ministry that we share together, and that is our preschool ministry. If you were here last Sunday, you may have received one of these cute little prayer cards that our preschoolers made for us. Uh, They put their name and their teacher's names are on there, and, and the idea was for you to take this and pray for the child, pray for the teacher's. And pray for our preschool ministry overall. I hope you had that on your refrigerator or somewhere, maybe in your Bible, as a reminder to be praying for our preschool ministry. And thank you for doing that. And there's another way that you can support our preschool ministry, and that is this Tuesday, February 12, we're having a fundraiser for our preschool down at Portillo's, right down the street. Okay, all you folks from Chicago should know all about Portillo's, right? Uh, Tuesday from 11 in the morning till 8 p.m., anywhere in there, take one of these flyers with you and they will give uh, 20% of the proceeds back to our preschool. Pick these up at the information center on the patio as you leave and that's all day Tuesday from 11 to 8 p.m. Thanks for your support of our preschool ministry. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to know more and more about you. Even more than that, we want to know you personally. And we want to hear your words and your call to us upon our lives. So open our hearts and minds to receive what you have to teach us today. In your name we pray. Amen. God's peace to you, friends. Uh, We are in a sermon series during this Epiphany season called Who is Jesus? And in this series, we're looking at different stories from Jesus' life and ministry, and we're asking the question, what does each of these stories reveal to us about who Jesus is? Today, we're going to take a look at that uh, gospel lesson from Luke chapter 5. We'll take this in, in different segments along the way here. Starting with the first verse, listen to the start of the story again. Luke tells us, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, you get the scene here. It says Jesus is on the shore of the Lake of Gennesaret. That's the same body of water as the Sea of Galilee up in the northern part of Israel. He's there, and there's a whole crowd of people around him listening to him, teaching and explaining the meaning of God's word. And it must have got a little uncomfortable or difficult for Jesus to be able to communicate to this large crowd that no doubt was getting larger by the minute. They're pressed around him right at the lake's edge. And he sees that there's two little boats uh, just off the shore there, and he steps into one of them. One of them belonged to uh, Simon. The fishermen were, were off to the side washing their nets after having fished all night. And Jesus says to Simon, put put out a little ways from the shore. And so he does that, and and Jesus is there and and looks out on the crowd, and no doubt it's a much better situation for communicating. You can imagine the shoreline kind of inclining up, 
people, the crowds on the shore. It was, must have been something like an auditorium. And so the acoustics were a lot better from the boat. And he could address the whole crowd that way. And then Luke tells us that Jesus sat down and taught. Why? Because he didn't want to rock the boat? No, these boats were large enough that one person couldn't rock it. No, he sat down because in that day and age and in that culture, when you preached or taught the word of God, you did it sitting down. When Jesus would go into a synagogue, for example, he would take out the scriptures, he would sit down and explain their meaning. Now, I'm not going to sit down for you today. All right, I'm going to stay standing. But that's the way it was done. And so Jesus sat down to teach the word of God as if he were in a synagogue and people were listening. As he's teaching, he's doing something else, though. He is setting up a demonstration of the power of his word. He's proclaiming the word, and he's about to demonstrate the power of his word in people's lives. Luke says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, now think about how that must have sounded to Simon. Any of you who have done any fishing know the middle of the day is not a good time to fish. And it was the middle of the day, and Jesus says, put out into deep water and let down the nets. Simon's an experienced fisherman. He did this for a profession. And he knew very well, you didn't fish in the daytime if you wanted to have any success. And after all, they'd already been out fishing all night long, and they caught nothing, Luke tells us. Now they were back washing their nets, getting ready for the next night of fishing. And so Jesus' request really didn't make any sense at all to Simon and his fellow fishermen. Plus, you got to picture this. All those people are on the shore watching. And they know Peter's a fisherman. They, they know that he knows what he's doing. So now is he going to go out fishing in the middle of the day with all of them watching? At the same time, they've been listening to Jesus teach the word of God. And so maybe they're watching to see, is Peter really going to obey what Jesus told him to do? Hmm. Well, Luke continues. So Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I have to wonder if in the middle of his talking, he didn't have this sudden memory of Jesus having recently healed his mother-in-law. Remember, we heard that story last week. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever. It was life-threatening disease. Jesus came to the home there in Capernaum and healed Simon's mother-in-law miraculously. And maybe even as he's saying, Master, we've worked hard all night, we haven't caught anything, and, and thinking, this isn't going to work, then maybe he suddenly remembers. Oh, yeah, this is the guy that brought mother-in-law back from her illness. So because you say so, Lord, I will let down the nets. It was a test of Simon's faith. Would he take Jesus at his word? 
or not? It's a question for each one of us, isn't it? Will we take Jesus at his word? Do we really believe that what he says to us in his word is true? And if so, will we follow through with it? Peter said, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Luke goes on, he says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I mean, just picture this scene in your mind's eye. They didn't just catch fish. They literally caught boatloads of fish. It was an awesome experience, a miracle of Jesus. And he did it in the middle of the day after they had been fishing all night long and caught nothing. So we're asking the question, who is Jesus? What would you say? This incident out there on the lake really was a visual demonstration of the power of Jesus' word. He simply said, let down the nets for a catch. And look what happened by the power of his word. And everyone saw what happened by the power of his word. Luke goes on, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Did you catch what Simon said? He, he fell at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What's going on here? Simon Peter comes to a deeper realization of exactly who Jesus is. He realizes Jesus is nothing less than the very divine, holy God himself, right there in the boat with him. And in being in the presence of holy God, he recognizes that he too is a sinful man not deserving to be in the presence of holy God. He becomes keenly aware of his sinfulness. And he does this honest confession to Jesus. Friends, that is your and my invitation too. To be honest before our holy God and to acknowledge the reality that he is God and I am not he is holy and I am sinful. And to confess that to him honestly, not only in worship, but every day acknowledge, God, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I'm a sinful child. But we can't stop there. We've got to go on with the story because the next part of the story brings us hope. Luke tells us that then Jesus said to Simon, and look at the two statements he makes to Simon. He says, do not be afraid, and from now on you will be catching men. Let's look at each of those statements. First, he says to, to Simon Peter, do not be afraid. 
Peter has just laid out his, his heart and his soul and confessed his sins. And what does Jesus say? Well, you better get your act straightened up. You ought to have better faith than this, Peter. No, he doesn't harass him, harangue him. He speaks words of absolution, if you will. He says, do not be afraid. Those are beautiful words. And they're words for you and me as well in that moment when we are honest to recognize our own sin. Jesus would say to you and to me as well, do not be afraid, my child. Do not be afraid. I took all that sin to the cross for you. I took the punishment on myself that you all deserve. I died in your place, Jesus says, and I forgive you your sins. All that happened at the cross for you and for all. And he rose from the dead on the third day to guarantee that everyone who trusts in Jesus as their Savior has the assurance of life everlasting and the promise that on the last day we too will be raised from the dead and enter heaven with a glorified body. That is our Christian hope, friends. And Jesus says to you, do not be afraid. You have no reason to be afraid in Christ your Savior. That is the good news. That is the gospel. But now he says a second phrase to Simon. He says, from now on, you will be catching men. You will be catching men. The literal translation of the phrase there is you will be catching men alive. Catching men alive. You know, in the fishing process, obviously, as soon as the fish comes out of the water, it's, it's getting ready to die. And rightfully so, it's going to become somebody's meal, right? But catching people is different. Catching people is to catch them for life, to make them alive and keep them alive for all eternity. That is what Jesus does through the gospel message that we share with others. This miracle of the abundant catch of fish symbolized in advance the gospel's power to catch people, to make people alive and to keep them alive for all eternity. So who is Jesus? Yes, he is holy God to be sure. And he is one who takes spiritually dead people and gives them new life. He is our Savior. And he's the one who calls people to fish for other people. You know, as, as I was thinking about the Old Testament lesson for today from Isaiah 6, it struck me that Isaiah's experience was very similar to that of Peter, Simon Peter. I want to read this passage from Isaiah again just to underscore the point. Now, Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus was born, but look at the connection between him and Simon Peter. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy. 
Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. What was Isaiah experiencing here? He was in the presence of holy God. And what was his response to all of this? Similar to Peter's. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It's like Peter kneeling at Jesus' knees. Lord, I am a sinful man. But look at how the story goes goes and finishes. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You can almost hear Jesus say, do not be afraid. And then Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me to fish for people. Yes, like Peter, Isaiah realized God's holiness. Like Peter, Isaiah recognized his own sin. Like Peter, he experienced God's forgiveness. He heard God's call, and he responded, Here am I. Send me. Who is Jesus? He's not only that holy God. He is your loving Savior who has forgiven your sin, who calls you to follow him and says, from now on, you will be catching people alive. Now we come to the very last verse of the text, verse 11. Luke says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They followed Jesus from that time forward, and they learned from Jesus how to fish for people. Here at Shepherd of the Desert, our mission statement is leading people to follow Jesus. That's what we're about here, leading people to follow Jesus. On a real practical level, I want to share with you some upcoming opportunities to learn how to better do that, leading people to follow Jesus, fishing for people alive. One opportunity is two weeks from today, February 24th, we're going to have a guest speaker. His name is Steve Cohen. Steve is a Jewish believer in Jesus, a member of a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation. Uh, He and his wife, Nancy, are both Jewish believers who will be here. And Steve heads up the Apple of His Eye Mission Society, uh, one of our church bodies, outreach to uh, Jewish people. He's going to be with here delivering the message. He's going to lead us in a messianic style of worship service, a little different from what we're used to. But I want to encourage you to invite your Jewish friends and acquaintances to come to the service that day, two weeks from today, February 24th. He will make it a welcoming environment for your Jewish friends. Invite them to come and just hear another Jewish man's views about Jesus. It's an opportunity 
to do some fishing. Another opportunity I want to make you aware of is that I'm going to be providing some witness training to help all of us uh, fine-tune our skills at sharing our faith in everyday conversations with people. And I'm going to be doing this in two different settings. One, we're going to do a workshop on Saturday, March 30th. Now, by the way, the date in your bulletin is wrong. That's not the fault of the gals in the office. I gave them the wrong date. It's Saturday, March 30th, okay? Uh, But a second option is a six-week class on uh, Wednesday nights after Easter. So uh, you'll be hearing much more about these witness workshop training sessions, and I hope that you'll sign up. Again, just how do we share our faith in our everyday conversations? And then, of course, on the way in, you should have received one of these little fish cards. Hopefully you have one. I want to ask you to do something with this, and this is what I was going to also ask the children to do. I want you to take the fish card and write the name of a person or persons whom you know that doesn't yet know Jesus, that needs to come to faith in our Savior. Write their name down. Put this somewhere where you'll see it on a regular basis, in your Bible, where you do your devotions, up on your refrigerator, wherever you'll see it, as a reminder, first of all, to pray for that person, that they would come to know Christ. And then secondly, watch for opportunities for you to share the simple message of Jesus' love with that person, the message of Jesus dying and rising to forgive their sins. Look for an opportunity and let this be a reminder of your calling to fish for people. Some of you may know that my daughter Anastasia is studying to be a missionary. She will graduate from Concordia University, Irvine, in May. We don't know where God is going to send her in the world, probably Latin America since she's been studying Spanish and studied in Ecuador for a while. But we don't know where she's going to go. But you know what? You don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. The mission field begins right outside these doors and right at the edge of our parking lot. America is a mission field ripe for the harvest. And we are all missionaries. Every Christian, by virtue of their baptism, is a missionary. And we've been called to fish. And friends, Jesus can still do amazing miracles today. So let me ask you, are you ready to put out into deep water and let down the nets? Amen. May the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.